Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I want to start, well, I'm not sure whether it's going to be a series or not, but I'm going to share this anyway. I want to read to you one verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Then I'm going to read a whole bunch of scripture because I think sometimes we want to get the context of it. Thank you for that. What a mess you've made. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. My title of fitly joined comes out of that verse. But I want to read to you to give you some context of this letter that the Apostle Paul is writing. So when I speak about someone you know and you think they need to do this, they need to obey this, you can just say amen at that point. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. This one's from the New Living Translation. It says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. If you know someone who needs to start doing that, just say a little amen. Yeah, person, cut me off in the traffic. Amen. That person who leaves their rubbish bin out until it falls over and the rubbish is all down the street. Amen. Amen. That person who I flat with who never does the dishes properly. And I get them out of the cupboard and they're dirty. Amen. Amen. That person who hasn't paid that bill, they've been owing me that money for so long. Live a life worthy. Amen. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. You stuck up thing. Amen. (laughs) Be patient with each other. Amen. Come on, you're not getting into this. How many people here know someone who's been impatient with you this week? Oh, you bunch of feathers. I cannot believe I'm speaking to a church where no one's going to be honest. You can say a little amen right there and amen. That'll give them a little nudge. Don't look at them. That gives it away entirely. You say, I'm just amen in the preacher, sister. Amen. Always be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Now you're getting into it, see? Because of your love. Amen. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We're finding out a lot about this church this morning, that's for sure. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, He's given to each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the Scriptures say, when He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives, gave gifts to His people. Notice that it says He ascended. This clearly means that Christ also ascended to our, or descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill, watch this, the entire universe with himself. Amen. Now, these are the gifts that Christ 
gave to the church. The apostles. Isn't it interesting? God didn't give the gift to anywhere else. The focus of his love is the church. The Bible says that he loved the church so much, he gave himself for it. Jesus never died on the cross because he couldn't help it. He never died on the cross only to forgive sins. He certainly did that. But he died on the cross so that something out of that would arise that would change the world. Make no mistake about it. I started reading a book this week uh, about Western uh, values and civilization and stuff. And I've got time to go into all the book. It's not a Christian book, not written by a Christian. But he talked about the impact of Protestant Christianity around the world on education and on the education of women. What a powerful thing. He says everywhere Protestant Christianity went, the educational standards around the world have risen. Now, I know you won't read that in today's history book. You sure won't get that on social media nowadays because all we hear about oftentimes is how the church has decayed civilizations. But the reality is that historians like this guy I was reading about, he looks at it and says, the education of women has gone way up by a factor of 10, I think it was, wherever uh, evangelical or Protestant Christianity travelled, those things were a result. And this non-Christian is saying, one of the things, see, the gospel is good news for every part of life. The gospel is not just, that's why we transform Cambodia. We don't just go in there and run holy huddles for every person in Cambodia. There's now, what is it, 10,000, 15,000 something people. It might have begun with education and those kids are on the rubbish stump, stung mean jay as it was then. It might have begun with health care for them. It might have begun with schooling them and helping them to grow. But can I tell you, it became so much bigger, so much faster that over and above the three and a half thousand kids that were a part of it, there's at least another 10,000 people outside of that that have been impacted by the good news of Christ. I still remember being when I was there last, which is now two years ago, I still remember this lady coming up and saying, Pastor, I bought you this. One of the mums, one of the people who once upon a time had nothing to give, had no way to bless. But now after all these few years for her family, something not only changed in her, her physical outward world, something not only changed in the education of her child, but Jesus came and changed the inside of her heart. And she said, I bought you this ice cream. Not much. But it was everything to a woman whose background was abject poverty because the gospel came and changed that person's life. Can I tell you, everything we do as believers is always going to have at its heart the good news of Jesus Christ. It's always going to be touched and tinged, not just with social work, not just with let's help, not just with let's support. It's always going to have at the heart of it that we believe that Christ died so that you on the inside can have a brand new life. That's why we talk about being born again, not because it's a cutesy term for Christians to use, but because it's the only way to describe 
what happens when Jesus comes into someone's life. They are like they're born again. Amen. I better go back to reading the Bible. That was a little detour. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity and uh, in our faith and in the knowledge of the Son, God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord. That was a good one to say, amen. Amen. You should be more mature. You are a mature Christian. How many people are legally adults? But occasionally you're childish. Come on, look at all those hands. What an honest church. Filled with honest people. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Someone asked me the other day, do you think this is the end times? And I go, well, if I look at the world, it might be. But when I look at the church and I read that verse, I go, I think we've got a way to go. I'm not quite sure we're there yet. I don't think Jesus is coming back for what is, is here right now. I'm pretty sure he's got a bit of work. Just turn to your neighbour right now and say, he's working on you, it's all right. Turn to your neighbour on the other side and say, you'll get there. <laughs> then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be, <laughs> watch this. Hello, is this 21st century stuff or what? We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Like I don't know, just keep going right on, Jeff. Just let, shut up. We will not be influenced. Oh, God, what did I pick this for? We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Is that bulletproof shield here yet? <laughs> Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Amen. I'm only telling you this because I love you. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Together and joined have got so many meanings in English. I was in the lift, the elevator the other day with, together with all those people. Well, that's together. But it's a lot different to me saying last Christmas, I was together with my family. Both together, but incredibly different. This is joined, these coat hangers. Oh, what tangled web we weave when we drop a bunch of coat hangers. Eugene, up there in the camera, I told him that I had a job for him because I pinched these yesterday out of hope. They've got a whole rack of them ready to hang the clothes that we give away. And my goodness, I took them all. Eugene, I'm sorry. I made the mess, but I don't know how to fix it. Tuesday, would you do that for me? Thank you so much. See, they're joined. All these things. They're joined all right. But then so's this. 
This table was made by my father, Roy Allen Woodward. It turned up at my house, I don't know how many years ago, flat packed, because I was the only one of his children. He gave one to every one of his seven kids. Made it out of scrap. This is silky oak and he had some laying around and he made that and cut out all the fretwork in there. If you turn it upside down, you can see in here the letters. That's my father's handwriting, letter B. And that's where it goes. It turned up with a video that he got my youngest brother to make because it turned up flat packed and the video showed you how to put it together. All the other kids got theirs all fully put up. Mine had to get shipped to Western Australia. And I want to tell you, my father was self-taught, never had any lessons in woodwork, but I want to tell you, if you want to see fitly joined, come and have a look at this later. There's the, the seam and the timber work here and all of that stuff put together, so solid. I can stand on that, it'll easily take my weight. Fitly joined is something powerful. That's joined, but this is fitly joined. And let me ask you this morning, if I was to say, tell me which one of these best represents your Christian life, which one would it be? Oh, I'm joined. Or are you fitly joined? Have you found the place where you fit? Have you been put together by, that was definitely not put together by a designer. There is zero art in what I did with that. However, fitly joined is something completely different. You and I, I believe, are called by God to look like that one, not like that one. I love the way the message version puts Ephesians 4.16. Listen to this. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. So let me talk to you about what it is to be fitly joined. F in fitly stands for function. There's a purpose to this and this. Got to be honest, there's no purpose to that, apart from the fact to give Eugene something to do on Tuesday. Thank you for serving in Hope, Eugene, for so many years. But this has got a purpose. Matter of fact, at home, we're, I'm sitting there last night not knowing where to put the remotes because they sit on there, not knowing where to put the coasters because they sit on there. Rhonda's cup of tea, I had to sit beside her. And I want to tell you it was hot. But because I love her and I'm that kind of husband, I just sat there and said, yes, darling. Yes, darling. And I, and I just held it up there. I said, is, I said, I said can you just drink it? It's starting to burn. See that mark there? That. Where's the violin when you need it? Uh, but the reality is, I, don't, I never even thought much about this because it's so functional. Can I say to you, most of the things in your life that are functional, you take for granted. You just get used to them. But God never does. You've got a function. There's no such thing as an ornamental Christian. God's got no decorative believers. What are you in the body of Christ for? I'm just here to look good. 
I'm God's showpiece. No, sorry. There isn't anybody, not one of you, no matter how handsome you are, Trevor Todd. <laughs> that mighty big fine head of hair. That magnificent moustache. You still got it? It's there. No matter how good looking you are, there's no such thing as an ornamental Christian. There's something purposeful. And I pray that every single believer, listen to me, I don't care how long you've been a Christian because the trouble with us is after we've been doing this a while, we just get used to it. And what began as a privilege starts to become an obligation. And then I start going, oh, do I have to? How many times have I been on a roster? Rather than going, that's why I'm here. Amen. I'm here because there's a function and a purpose to my life. Amen. Here's that letter I. Letter I stands for importance. Now I can stand here and tell you all about how important you are because of all the people you've impacted and all what you do and yada, yada, yada. Because that's real. I got a text from Amanda Ellaby just this week talking about some of the stuff just in the last month that's happened in Hope. It's extraordinary, really. Amazing things that are happening and more amazing to come. But if I want to talk to you about importance, let me come at it another direction. Because if you want to really know how important you are, what you want to look and see is how much opposition you get. I watched the football yesterday the rugby league one. And they were talking about the next game coming up and the entire conversation was about how they would uh, take away the effect of one player. There's 13 players on the paddock. But their entire team strategy is how do we stop that guy? How important is he? I don't care how many points he got. It's, can I stop him? That's how important he is. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. In the sweet by and by, come by, my Lord. Come by, I love you with the love of the Lord. Walking together in fellowship sweet. We'll walk, we'll walk in the light. Loving one another till Jesus we meet. Walk, walk. And that's all beautiful. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. But verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He says it's your Adversary. Too many Christians act like there are no opposition. And yet according to Jesus, the thief comes not but for to kill and to rob and to destroy, but I've come that they might have life. But that tells me the Christian life is not kumbayaring through the tulips with baby Jesus. Christianity is not gee whiz, it's OMG. It's us saying, God, 
Are there difficulties? Are there challenges? You better believe it. There's an enemy specifically targeting you to take you out of action. Amen? Come on. Oh, well. I reckon half the stuff, the devil gets blamed for a whole lot of stuff he didn't do. The devil gave me a flat tyre. No, that was a nail. The devil robbed my parking space. No, you were just too slow. And then there's all this other stuff that he does, provoking, pushing, sowing seeds of division. And Christians just sit there and go, oh, I don't know, I just feel like it. Like, hello, get a grip, everybody. Come on, get a grip, Jeff, get a grip. Come on, get a grip. How about the rest of you? Sometimes I forget that the devil. I said to someone, a young person the other day, they asked me, they said, you know, when we first started this church, if Rhonda and I were going to have a, a disagreement, that's a euphemism for we're going to have a fight. Oh, my God, the pastor and his wife. <gasps> yeah, whatever. But if ever we were going to have one, it was always Saturday night. We worked it out after a while. It's Saturday night. It's time to be prepared. This is not the night for bringing up the things you're cranky about from last Tuesday. Can I get a witness in the building? Amen. Yeah, how many Christians are there? Oh, Saturday night is the night they have that fight so that when it comes Sunday morning, they go, I don't want to go to church. We know your house now. <laughs> hey, ain't that true? But we act like there's no opposition. Some people will commit in destiny offering. And then the devil goes, I'm going to get them out of that. Think about it a minute. Specifically talking, we read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. This will continue till we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that will be mature in the Lord. And the devil can read the Bible like you can. Matter of fact, he's memorised it. He knows it really well. And he knows that the Holy Spirit is going about saying, I'm going to make a beautiful bride out of the church. One that's filled with unity and one where it's fitly joined together. And so what does he do? He goes, I'm going to see if I can bring a wedge. Can I cause a division? Can I bring separation? Can I prevent that? Can I get them out of that place of leaning in? Yeah. That's the enemy's target. Are you important? Next time you're wondering, do I matter? Ask yourself, have I had any problems lately? Now, I know I'm speaking to a church full of overcomers. Hallelujah. <laughs> Brother, problems belong to my past. Amen. Do you remember our son once, we were doing a musical at church here and uh, I, I don't remember, but there was a line in it where Jesus appears to the disciples. I think it was an Easter production. And, and the, the, Jesus says in the play to the other people, don't touch me, I have not yet ascended to my father. Well, my son, God bless him, was being naughty, which is very unusual for him. 
but if you're careful, you could be online. And uh, I remember his mother went to remonstrate with him to encourage him to better behaviour. That's also a euphemism. <laughs> she went there and he turned around and he said to her, do not touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. <laughs> I think we just fell about laughing and went, oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> Next time you wonder, do you matter? Ask yourself the question, have I had any problems lately? T stands for timely. The reality is, come on church, I love history and I've got books on all the great men and women of God, but the problem with all of them is they're dead. Sorry to be blunt, Billy Graham's dead. Well, he's actually eternally alive, I get that. But physically he's gone. Charles Wesley's not here anymore. William Booth, that firecracker Christian, sorry, he's gone. Martin Luther, 95 theses on the door of the cathedral. Sorry, he's gone. And the reality is that God hasn't got anybody else but the people that are here now. Amen? So it's timely. To be fitly joined means I accept now it's my time to do what needs to be done. It's nobody else's time. L, L stands for Lord because Jesus is Lord we say this so easily. You are the Lord. We sing songs. You are Lord. You are Lord. Oh, Lord, Lord. But what it really means is this. I didn't choose my abilities. I really didn't. I was at a dentist this week. Maybe it's online, I don't know, because he asked me enough about it. I was at a dentist and he said, does your smile matter to you? because he was talking about changing drastically the landscape. <laughs> That's another euphemism. <laughs> I should call this Euphemism Sunday. It sounds so holy. And uh, I said, well, I do a lot of speaking in public. And he looked at me and he said, why would you want to do that? He said, I can't imagine anything worse. I said, I can't imagine anything worse than looking in people's mouths for a living. And then he asked me what I do, what we do. And I started telling him about Metro Online. Well, forget about all the x-rays, the scans, forget about all the treatments, forget about the dollars. <laughs> That's a euphemism. I said, I might have to sell one of my children, but I think I can make it. I wouldn't, by the way, this bad joke. He forgot all that stuff and he just said, tell me about this thing. He said, that's incredible. What do you mean? People from anywhere around the world, and I told him about it. This is what can happen. Listen, you didn't choose your abilities, but you certainly get to choose your availability. I think the saddest thing is not Christians that have mistakes or frailties. The saddest thing is Christians who, because of those things, never ever try and never become available. And they die with their abilities. They've never tested the limits of them. They played safe all their life. I didn't choose how other people's responses, but I sure get to choose mine. I don't even get to choose my results. Someone was asking me about this just yesterday, a pastor in another city. He said, what do you do with this? I said, look, I don't choose my results, but I certainly choose my seeds. 
I don't get to choose how the crop grows, but I get to choose what I plant. You, or the Y rather than fiddly, Y stands for you and unique. You know, normally when people speak about the uniqueness of you, we talk about your DNA, your voice print, your fingerprint, your iris scan, your dental records, just to keep the theme running. But do you know there's a lot more things about you that are absolutely unique, that are far more important than your DNA, your blood type, your human genome or whatever else. You know, no one else in the world's got your story. You're the only one with it. Nobody else. I get everybody here. I'll get you all to stand up and tell me a story. No two will be alike. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, their story. It's your story that overcomes the devil. It's not somebody else's. Read all the books you like, listen to all the podcasts you like, but the devil is not going to run away because you tell them about Billy Graham. The devil is not leaving your life because you tell them about your granddad. Huh? Or because you tell them that way back there, great-grandma and granddad were missionaries. The devil doesn't run away because of that. He runs away because you tell your story. Yours is unique. Second thing that's unique about you is your faith. You've got a capacity to believe that's unique to you. I know friends of mine, they've got faith for things I just don't have the same level of faith for. Third thing, lastly, that you have that's unique to you is you have a unique expression of God's grace. Nobody else will be able to display Jesus just like you do. Isn't that good? So all those of you that are lovely, mushy, beautiful Christians, that we sometimes wonder if you're not angels in human bodies because you're that nice, we can't believe it. Just point at the person, you know, who's like that. Not much pointing going on, but that's all right. Somebody just got shoved in the back there. But isn't it great that you've got an expression of God's grace? If you're one of those go get them, action, Jackson, you know, bang, you're one of those people and God says you've got an expression of God's grace. And there's others of you that are so shy and you're so meek, we have, don't even know you're a member of this church. We found you last week hiding behind a pillar. <laughs> Who's anonymous? And you've got an expression of God's grace that's unique to you. Amen. Listen to me. The enemy says you really don't matter very much. But of course you do. I thank God for every bit, every screw that's in this table. This table really wouldn't work if one leg decided it didn't want to be in the table anymore. It would fall apart. Thank God for every bit. Can we just stop for a minute and just say, Lord, thank you for every bit. You know what? I was praying yesterday. I saw people that had, it was like they were covered in cobwebs. And I heard the Lord say, confusion and fear. And I believe there's people in this service. When I say in this service, I mean in the building and online and people that will be watching this or part of it during the week as well. And you go, that's me. I feel like that. I feel like someone spun cobwebs all over me and I, I can't see clearly like I was. I feel a level of anxiety that 
is foreign to my life. I don't know what's going on. And I heard the Lord say, I'm going to blow the wind of my spirit. Blow that stuff away. Come on, if that's you, I want you just to receive it right now. Father, we thank you for the great breath of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared under them cloven tongues like as of fire. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Lord, would you blow again over your church? I'm not just praying for this one, but God, for your people. That you say, we're the light of the world, we're the salt of the earth. Would you blow away the cobwebs that the enemy spun so cleverly and delicately? We never noticed them coming. And before there was a web and we all of a sudden began to realize what we couldn't see. And how that level of fear began to grow. So God, would you do that right now? In Jesus' name. You're our Saviour. Know you're good, Lord, in every way. In Jesus' name. Just look this way because my time's really up. I thank God for every person that said yes to Jesus. Because I remember what it was like to be a sinner. A sinner who didn't really have much hope. I used to look at, I I literally used to look at some people that I knew that were great Christians. And I used to think that somehow or other they, they could do it, but I never could. And somehow or other, maybe they were just born different. I just thought, not me, you know, won't work. And I thought like that until I really encountered Jesus. Because being a Christian is not changing what you believe about Jesus. Being a Christian is saying, Jesus, will you come inside of me and help me? Not just tell me stuff. Jesus is not the schoolmaster lecturing you on life. Go read the Bible. Get up there, pray. Go on, go on. Worship me. Go on, lift your hands. That's not Jesus. Jesus said, I want to come and bring a new heart, a new spirit within you. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is that Jesus comes and changes you. Because you'll never be able to do it like that. Oh, you can make change for sure. I'm not saying you're bad. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're fabulous. But Jesus wants to do more than that. All you've got to do is say yes to him. That's why we have yes texts that I spoke about earlier with Sebastiano. In Australia, it's 0488-826-392-YES. It's all you send as a text. We don't need your name. We don't ask you for anything else. We'll never write and ask you for money. If you're outside of Australia or you want to get our help via email, every day free for 30 days and free for every day after, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.org.au. If you're on metrochurch.online right now, the yes button's right there. Just press it. What do we do? Well, every day for 30 days, after we get it from you, we'll send you, if it's on one screen of your smartphone, a Bible verse, different every day. We'll send you a prayer. It's only a short one, but it's one that you can pray. 
It's to help you start talking to God in a meaningful way. You get that for 30 days. After that, if you want, there's a whole lot. It's a year and a half worth of stuff there that'll help you grow as a Christian. Father, pray right now for every person. There are people hearing me today or whatever day it is that they're hearing it. And Jesus, they know they need you. They feel that you are nudging them. And I pray that today will be the day they say yes. Just yes. Yes, without having to go all figured out. Yes, without knowing what it's going to look like. Just yes. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, last week, I don't I haven't heard all the figures, but I know that in the morning service alone there was four, I think, before we'd finished even this part of the service. So whoever all those people are, can we just congratulate them and give them a hand and say well done. Thank you, Tessie. In just a minute, Solomon, Partha and uh, Ray Allen are going to be ready in ministry time to pray with people that would like prayer. And we pray you'll have an amazing week. Cafe will be open out there in a minute. Don't forget you want those CDs of Reverend Dr. Michael Battersby. That's a good time to get them. But let's worship. Come on.